0: If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.
1: Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 132 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. So I started this podcast as a way to explore ways to well-being and improve the dialogue about a more integrative approach to care, which means looking at ways to improve the long-term well-being of people in our communities. And I really believe at the end of the day, it's our communities that inspire us and keep us well. I met Jen Gilhoy, my guest for today's show, back in March at a sauna event here in Minneapolis. It's rare to have social events that are geared towards wellness and don't involve alcohol, but it's something I've been seeking out more and it's exactly what Jen is targeting with Zero Proof Collective. Her recent TED talk, Why We Should Rethink Drinking Culture, released just a couple weeks ago, has already gotten 35,000 views as I record this. And it asks us to consider our relationship with alcohol, not in a shaming way, but in a way that gives us permission to consider whether we want to change this relationship and even perhaps demand alternatives that might lead to better relationships with others and ourselves. If you'd like to watch us have this conversation, you can always find it on Highway to Health channel on YouTube. Please enjoy my conversation with Jen Gilhoy. What is your background, you know, prior to kind of getting into work around NA culture?
2: Yeah, my background really starts um, in marketing. So 20 plus years in the Twin Cities area of marketing and communications and a lot of events. And what I noticed with events, I was with the American Institute of Architects for 10 years and we hosted a lot of events and celebrations. And that was, um, you know, at a point in my life where I was drinking and it just was very central. And I've always noticed that. Um, and then once I left corporate America, I kind of, you know, I took this entrepreneurial path and the events, um, are still, you know, the same. Anytime I would go anywhere, I would always have the experience of being welcomed with a drink in hand. You know, the first thing you do is go to a bar, check in, you know, cash in your drink ticket. So it's just the, the, being surrounded by alcohol in literally every workspace um, has just been part of something I've really noticed, and actually, my work right now is in that space to kind of bring awareness to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Since we had this conversation in the in the sauna um, with with the group, it, it, I I've been thinking a little bit more about it, and I've and I've had a, quite a few things go on in the last few years with people around me and drinking. I had a friend who had oral cancer mm-hmm. issue. My wife has had a lot of, just doesn't have, probably has like a, a very adverse reaction to alcohol compared to most people. Um, so, you know, that has kind of limited or she's pretty much not drinking anymore. Like she'll have one once in a while. Um, but, you know, I, I think what what I started going back through after we had our conversation was thinking about, you know, my, my history of drinking and kind of where it started. I, I really wasn't like, I wasn't an early drinker. I was it was sort of banned in high school if you were gonna play sports, like they made it, they took it very seriously and kids were getting kicked off of teams and stuff. So I didn't really start till I was in college and I was always kind of, I was never like a blackout drinker or, you know, I I, I also felt like I had a pretty high tolerance, which can be dangerous. I know (laughs) now that that I know the science of this stuff. and then you know I was I was a musician through most of my twenties, so I spent a lot of time, as you're saying, like drink tickets were basically payment, you know. And just thinking about <laughs> how how alcohol has been used in my life for this, these different kinds of things. And then you know I was kind of a you know poor musician for a good chunk of time, so I didn't have a lot of money to drink on, you know, outside of going out, which was probably you know a, a nice safety net that I didn't realize I had. But then I moved to New York and mm-hmm. I lived there for 13 years and I've been going back to to work there for 10 years. And so the, the just the culture, the functional, you know, drinking culture there is very strong. Like it's part of pretty much everything that you do. And certainly every, you know, how it, and, and I started thinking a lot about it. And we had this conversation a little bit about how it's tied to events, to, you know, it, holidays to meals to just about anything you can think of mm-hmm. concerts and sporting events and all these things and that that it's 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 almost it seems unavoidable and and yet the options are just so poor it's either sugary drinks or <laughs> or water
2: yeah oh for sure so much there jeremy i'm thinking i liked your term history of drinking and that might be a good exercise for everyone to do to go mm. pack and see how it evolved i too was very involved in high school and sports i kind of stayed away from it and really didn't get into drinking until i went to college and on college campuses nowadays there are things that are happening that are there's still the binge drinking is still continuing and then as you go into corporate um, the expectations or in the workplace are all still there so going through a history of like what your drinking patterns have been how you noticed when you use it and what um you know, what situations it's gotten you into, has it been good or bad? Like really questioning that might be an interesting exercise for reader or for listeners to, to go through.
1: Yeah. And, and since we had, you know, this, since I think you, you mentioned the Huberman podcast that came out last fall. Yes. So I I had to go back and listen to it and I think I Mm. may have listened to it. Um, but, just going back and listening to it you know in preparation for this conversation i i there's so much in there because basically he's kind of going through a number of things trying to parse out i mean he's not a drinker so you know that probably needs to be you know considered but at the same time he is a scientist and he's, he's, you know, does, he's very, you know, into peer reviewed things. And so, you know, he's even asked listeners a lot of times to like, if, 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 if you can refute any of this, like, please give me the information if yeah. there's, if there's different studies, which I, I appreciate about him. But a lot of what he was going through was trying to figure out are, are these, this, you know, this, this old, not necessarily recommendation, but. This thing that we felt was safe to do or may even be beneficial to our health of drinking a, a, a drink a day or two drinks a day and that maybe wine has something in it that's that's beneficial to our heart. It is not really the, the science. We're, we're not finding the science to, to prove it. In fact, we're finding that even at that level, that that's enough to start you know diminishing a lot of stuff that's going on vascularly in our system and in our brain so it's
2: absolutely you know, it's, it's
1: it's definitely something that we should be made more aware of and and should be educated mm-hmm. about
2: yeah that's a fantastic podcast it was august of 2022 if you want to go back and check it out and what it was
1: an hour I'll, and a half i'll put a link on plus. the show notes here too
2: yeah and i for myself i would categorize myself as a sober necessary person mm-hmm. i had Blackout experiences, my propensity to become an alcoholic. After listening to that podcast, I was like, yeah, um, I had all of the kind of warning things. And one of the biggest things um, that I noticed is I did have a high tolerance. And for me, things just got more fun the more that I drank. Yeah. And what is a natural mechanism in a lot of the population is that because alcohol is a depressant, you kind of, you kind of taper off and you don't. I had the opposite, had the opposite effect on me. And the way he explains it in that podcast, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, it just made so much sense. I've never heard anyone describe that feeling of why when I'm having so much fun, I just don't have an off switch. Mm. Um, So really great podcast to listen to. And really the science is the way that I am seeing it in the media now. And there's a couple New York Times articles and the Canadian um, study that just came out that actually said no amount of alcohol is safe. And I have never seen that in writing. I've never heard a study or anyone willing to commit to that statement. And so um, that to me seems like there's a shift in saying, you know, can I have two drinks? You know, what is the normal? Now it's based on this, like, continuum so how many you know drinks do you have you're at risk even if you have two drinks a week there's it's along a continuum versus being this cold hard like safe not safe
1: right and and I kind of wonder you know if I don't know if you were a smoker but I was a mild smoker when I, was, when I was younger because I was because I was in I, I was in bars all the time and it was just like I was, <laughs> you know playing music and I was bored half the time, um, but I wasn't a I wasn't never like a full full on smoker thankfully but but I but I I seemed, I I kind of liken this this movement that's going on right now it feels very similar mm. to what happened twenty years ago or whatever it was when the smoking ban happened in in bars and restaurants. And, and even the reaction that I'm, I'm, you know, as I'm talking about this with different people and, you know, I, I'm not one to jump in and say like um, that I'm going to completely stop something, but I'm, but I also feel like I'm becoming much more aware of, of just the presence of alcohol around me and also the annoyances that come along. (laughs) (laughs) with alcohol and Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of that's kind of where i'm starting to feel like there is this shift going on and is is that Mm -hmm. is that something that that you feel like you've you've been part of because you've been you've been kind of working around this space for what four or five years is that that about yeah at
2: least i have about eight and a half years of sobriety and really dove into being vocal about my story and the social spaces piece of it um five years ago okay yeah
1: for sure and and was what was the moment for you in terms of your your decision that sobriety was necessary
2: oh yeah um, um so many things and i think um trying to control it i spent two decades just trying to control it because i wanted to avoid having to go into the only place that i knew that i would need to go which would be an aa room mm-hmm. and say the words hi i'm jen i'm an alcoholic i was like i'm not doing that yeah Um, You know, and that's that's what I distinctly understood as the great, the hugest um, gap in our ways to get well and, and figure out our drinking. It was, it just was either that or, and many people aren't willing to take that step. And AA at the time, 10 years ago, when I started to get sober was one of the only options that was free and available. And now of course there are many online ways. There's inspirational podcast. There's so many different ways right now to explore your relationship with drinking. And it's, we don't even use the word alcoholic as often, you know, it's like, we don't want to be defined. What other, you know, diseases defined as like, I am all of this, which I rejected for decades. And then going through the program said the word only because I knew that it would be an avenue to figure out what I could take from the program and use and then what didn't work for me and that has held a lot of people back and and really I think that is that is the question in terms of like getting people to open up to exploring their relationship with alcohol and it really can look very different now
1: yeah
2: there's a lot of reasons people don't drink you mentioned your wife I find a ton of women my age are like yeah, I was a normal drinker, but now because of aging or the physical effects of it, mm-hmm. I either can't or the you know repercussions from like a couple of glasses of wine don't even affect me um, to the kind of that buzz that they were looking for. And then they suffer through yeah. poor sleep the next day, the productivity levels are down. So once you look at that and understand how it impacts, it's hard to make a case that you can safely or healthily drink you know for women 10 drinks a
1: week. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say productivity because I think where a lot of drinking s- stems from is this is this like s- sense that we need to like push so hard all day long mm. Mm. and there there isn't really an off switch to that except for alcohol. And we you know we 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 don't we don't have a lot of other things that we're we're able to use. We know maybe exercise might be one of the things mm-hmm. that, that we can replace, but I've also seen studies that that say that people who are extreme exercisers also tend to be yes. extreme drinkers, you know, so it, it, yes. it, it sort of says something about what's going on in the brain, you know, that, 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 that that's triggering all these kinds of things. And it gets back to the sort of mental emotional part of, of what drinking is really about.
2: Yeah. I love that we're going here because of the mantra, you know, work hard, play hard, always applied to me. And I would, I've been an avid person, like working out has been such a core thing of my life. I've done that forever. And so when I started abusing alcohol, what I used to do is wake up, you know, the next morning hungover and be like, well, if I can get on that spin bike and work out for an hour, if I can go on a six mile run, I can reset my body like the night before never happened. And, you know, that somehow being, you know, younger and that was my mindset to kind of prove to myself that I didn't have a problem. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, if I worked out at the end of the day, for example, I would go right into drinking. It was like, oh, my God, I made it through the day, made it through my work day, Um, made it through my workout now. I get this reward and right. that I think is so common, um, for so many individuals and it keeps you in the cycle of saying, I don't have a problem. I can show up at work. I can, you know, be with my kids. But for me, that all fell apart at age 40, just all the pressures and the elevation of like how much I was drinking. There just was not sustainable.
1: Yeah, And, and that re- that reward cycle that you're talking about, I think is a big part of, I mean, it's, it's a big part of a lot of abuses. I, I, have you read that um, that Russell Brand book, Freedom from Addiction, by any chance?
2: Uh, I know my husband has it.
1: Yes. So it's 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 an interesting book. One of my clients recommended. He has a number of had a number of addictions, um, and you know was telling me this is a really good book to understand not just drug addictions but Mm. but but the the addictive nature of our culture and i found it i found it fascinating and funny because he's you know he's using he's he's using the 10-step program as sort of like the Mm. the structure for it but then he changes the wording of the 10-step program so that it's like Mm -hmm. you know so that it's funny basically but but he also goes very deep (laughs) into like all the things that were his Problems and some of the and some of the things that he talks about were, you know, the hard drugs in some ways were easier to quit than mm-hmm. alcohol or food or sex or things that become, you know, they're, they 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 feel like very normal parts of our culture and and they're they're present in everything. Where hard drugs, you have to make you know you have to do some work mm-hmm. to sort of to to get them. So that was I, I yeah. just thought that was kind of an interesting thing. But he really goes into like, you know, our addiction to technology and to status and to just all these different pieces that. Once mm-hmm. you look at it and you're and you mm-hmm. you present to like the social media culture and the way that we sort of are marketed to you're like, oh my God, we're just, yeah. we're, 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 we're pawns in all these things.
2: Right, well, and I, I wanna get back to the comment you had earlier about cigarettes um, smoking in the bands and like parallels to what we see with alcohol. And I think that that is true. Um, both my partner um, zero in Zero Proof Collective, Kate Faulkner and I, I've talked about that at length and I've seen it come out in many places that um, this will be the norm at some point in the future where alcohol use and abuse will be looked at as, you know, cigarettes were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the data is just starting to shift and people are, you know, understanding the science behind it. And it's one of those things in our culture that people hold so near and dear um you know cigarette smoking could be something you would do in a group in a bar setting but alcohol is just so more pervasive and so more accepted that people are literally holding on to it i say in my my ted talk which we'll get to but i was like no please don't take it away i mean it's how i celebrate relax right. unwind it is my it's been my go was my go to forever right so that's hard that's hard to uncouple from your daily life and really take an honest look at it. Yeah.
1: And and that, and it seems like that is kind of your mission though, is to figure out, you know, what this transitional piece is. Is that, is that kind of what Zero mm. Proof Collective is?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we are at the intersection now. So what is this? March, 2023 of having, you know, wanting to say in our social spaces that we want non-alcoholic options. Mm-hmm started saying that years and years ago, five years ago, I was like, why can't I get a decent non-alcoholic beverage in this place? That's not a soda or a water. Well, fast forward to now where we've had this convergence of the beverages and the makers being so interesting, you know, profile flavors, like an entire experience that's not trying to mimic what alcohol was, but rather be a completely separate experience that is so interesting that, People are now, they used to ask me, you know, why aren't you drinking in a social setting? Now with an elevated non-alcoholic beverage, they're asking, what are you drinking? And can I drink that? I'd like to try that. What is it? So the curiosity factor, like that is kind of where I feel like we're at in terms of like a tipping point in terms of now we actually have the tactical products to get into people's hands to make that transition in a social space, which... Social spaces are the downfall of so many people that have worked so hard on their recovery journey, me included. You um, know, relapses and returns to use happen because of the um, experiences we have in our social spaces.
1: Right, and it, and it, and it also kind of reminds me a little bit of the shift from, you know, meat eating as well, because oh yeah, know, we've, exactly. my, my We've also you know gone through some of this, and and just the kinds of the kinds of options. And yet, I, I find myself—I'm mostly pescatarian. So, um, th- at this point, I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not leaning as much on some of the faux meats as I am on like mm. going back to like vegetables and lentils and stuff that has a little yeah. bit more substance. That I just—I'm just finding mm-hmm. a lot—a lot more from that. And it seems like because I got to try one of your drinks at the at the sauna, I feel like. I, I kind of got a sense of, of of what that is, and and the, and there's there's so many new options between you know that that, that could actually actually be like you know energy boosters and and health promoters in the drinks, different kinds mm-hmm. of herbs and the neurotropes and all these things that I think could be actually you know a, a game changer for a lot of people just in terms of how they feel.
2: Yeah, the public definitely needs an education on that. I mean, it used to just be like, you just accept whatever alcohol was in your beverage and drink it now between all the additives and all the things that can affect your body, especially when you're mixing some of those things. um, It's important to understand, like, what is the dosage? Like some of the products that we're trying now um, have all sorts of layers to them, but also like, how does this affect me? So learning that. And also being in a safe environment to understand how it affects you and, and be able to make a choice. You know, that's not for me, or feel like you can um, have the experience you want to have when you're enjoying that beverage.
1: Yeah. So, is that part of Zero Proof Collective? Are you are you trying to do some education? Are you, yes. are you bringing this in? And because because I, yeah. I I've, I've been I've you know I've been exploring them just as in, in supplemental form with like the adaptogens and. Mm -hmm. and you know different kind of botanics like the what is it rhodiola that -hmm. can be that can have that sort of you know relaxation effect and you know and and kombucha just as it almost tastes like an an alcoholic beverage if it's served in the the right glass it's kind of yeah kind of enjoy it
2: (laughs) yeah um education is definitely at the forefront so zero proof collective was we founded it in may of last year so 2022 and we bring industry leaders who care about the non-alcoholic beverage space together to talk about where do we need to collaborate, where do we need to bring awareness to the non-alcoholic movement. And one of the first things, you know, that we've um, started doing is kind of tearing like, what does a non-alcoholic offering look like in a restaurant? Because the biggest feedback we get is, oh yeah, my my favorite restaurant has a non-alcoholic menu. And then it's now we're probing, okay, what is actually on it? How much sugar are in these drinks? Yeah. And is it an afterthought? And, the, you know, one of the biggest challenges in bars and restaurants is they make their money through alcohol sales. Right. And they hold that near and dear to their experience in their space, especially if it's more bar than restaurant. And, you know, trying to overcome barriers to talk with those restaurant owners to make sure they understand that actually an elevated NA a cocktail, you can charge, you know, 12 to $14 and you can up-level people from a diet Coke to this experience that, Hey, it also really pa- pairs well with your food. And those people are going to leave having an experience like no other, because right. those people right now are settling when they are told we don't have anything for you. It just happened to me the other night yeah. at a kind of more high-end restaurant in in Minneapolis. And I was like, here we are. So that is one distinction that we want to educate on is, you know, restaurant owners can start with a base level of NA offerings, but the kind of ultimate is that a restaurant would have maybe four or five non-alcoholic cocktails, and they're going to have a couple non-alcoholic, maybe local brands and brews, and then maybe a red and white non-alcoholic wine and the wine category has just exploded even um end of last year like we've Mm. tasted red wines that we're had to question are you sure this is no alcohol because it's really come a long way
1: and and so by by industry leaders which 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 industries are you meeting with the most right now
2: yeah, you know it's it's really fascinating because it's a lot of general managers, bartenders, uh, people that you know engage with the public. Because we also realize that we can't just put some NA options into these social spaces without some education or an explanation yeah. or delivering an experience that matches. Um, so I would say bars, restaurants. Um, those people that are in that industry will come to our meetings. And then we just have a cross-section of different makers, like product makers locally who are, have one product. And they're like, how do we, how do we, you know, make this just more available in our liquor stores and our bars and restaurants. And that's a whole nother conversation because our systems for distribution in the States aren't really set up to allow non-alcoholic products to just kind of come in under massive orders of liquor that go to a restaurant um we do have people that like for instance have a vending company and so we've been just talking like how do we just get more of the product and the vision into our social spaces and that does include corporate um as well which has been a really interesting avenue to explore
1: what's what's happening in 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 corporate then that that you've been engaged with i'm curious about this
2: Yeah, you know, the whole, you know, pandemic and revisions of mission statements and companies that say they place well-being at the forefront. um, This is an unlooked space. Mm.
0: Um, You know, Um, they provide
2: mental health services. They provide vegan options at their events. But nobody is asking, what if we, you know, work to create a culture that decentralized alcohol? So not even taking it away but just not placing it at the center of your corporate experience and you i mean you know it is everywhere and it's so prevalent and employers sometimes have this thing where if i take the alcohol away from like a employee celebratory event they're not going to come <laughs> you know it's like right. some of these realities but there is a way to do it there's a way to start creating that and and i that's why i think corporate is so interesting because you know your employees are are there to be productive and, you know, your, your job is to also keep them safe in these work environments and you're plying them with alcohol and sending them home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little especially, bit of a disconnect. My, my wife went back to school later and got her MBA. So she started in a, in a corporate role in her thirties. So it was it was interesting because, and I'm I'm almost ten years older than her. So there was this there was this big you know for me there was a big gap of like seeing these you know mid twenty somethings coming mm. into coming into these into these jobs for the first time and and you know not having they're, they're not being paid very well yet. So these events are huge and they they basically just you know go crazy on the on the free alcohol. And, but, but I, but I don't, and I saw a lot of problems happening there. I saw a lot, I saw a lot of problems happening between mm-hmm. relationships that after alcohol was served, you know, it, at the beginning, yeah. a couple of drinks in, that's fine. You can have some good conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, you might open up a little bit more, but it was almost inevitable that the, the night would continue after the, the event. And so, <laughs> yes. and, and that's where problems were happening. Even people, even people mm-hmm. getting, getting arrested and <laughs> just like craziness. Yeah, it goes
2: to the extreme. You know, you doesn't know what I mean, I mean
1: you, that you, was you, my experience. You've probably been around it too, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think there is an opportunity in corporate to really define what could that look like and how, you know, in thinking about Gen Z and millennials coming into that equation and, um, actually preferring companies that don't lead with alcohol,
1: what, what about, what about um, I've been going to more sports events with my son. He's a huge oh. sports fan. And so we've gone to a couple of Timberwolves games and a, a game at Allianz, the soccer team the other day. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and it's just like the, the price of these drinks. And, and I, back to your point of like, how do you replace, you, you, there has to be this replacement of a, mm-hmm. a 17 or $19 drink at a sporting event. <laughs> how, how can the stadiums make up for that loss Mm -hmm. you know, in in terms of, in terms of revenue.
2: Yeah. Um, Just in general, in the research we've done in the Twin Cities area, trying to get into different venues, like, you know, target field and, and say, could we do work with you to provide more NA options? And usually it's based on, there's a resistance there Mm -hmm. for sure. And it's typically based on where they get their alcohol brought into the stadium in these massive contracts. So what we see in those locations for non-alcoholic options are like a Guinness zero or a bud zero, right. um, you know, which is fine. But in my experience at one of the twins games, the bartenders don't know where it's at. You know, you got to walk down <laughs> right. two levels to one random bar, it, the work that you have to put in. I've even researched stuff prior to going to events to see, am I going to be able to like have an option And there's no communication. So, and again, with my background in marketing communications, I am about that experience. So even if you only have a Bud Zero available, if it is available everywhere and it's served like with enthusiasm and like you ask about what are the anti-options and the server says, oh yeah, we just got Bud Zero on tap or whatever. And they're excited about it. I'm good. I'm like, I really... There's a lot to be said about delivering an experience, even regardless of the products that are offered. And then I would say to the price point, the ready to drink category, where you can just you know pop open these amazing beverages, drink within its own container, not even have to be mixed, um, those price points might come in at five to seven dollars per. And a lot of times we are sometimes mixing those with another um, you know, soda water or whatever. And those are really affordable options, so it can be done. And there's obviously also non-alcoholic distilled spirits that you can swap out for whatever alcoholic drink you'd be creating. Yeah,
1: and and I'm I'm not sure how it works on the on the tax basis, but I would imagine that that is part of the extra the cost of these. Like let's let's say at, a, at an event like this, a concert or or a sporting event, that part of the reason for the the, the increase is probably somewhat due to tax. It, mm-hmm. and, and if you take that away, are you able to offer an, any drink that's like getting, getting closer in terms of what kind of revenue a place could make, you know? And yeah, no, that's,
2: that's a great question. If anyone's listening that has a contact that's willing to have those conversations yeah. with us, we've, like I said, we've just had many roadblocks into that. But I think that that's the reality. Like if we can understand and solve for those challenges, that that's just makes it an easier way to get in. Yeah.
1: So, so tell me, tell me a little bit about what you're mixing up. I'm, I'm curious to know what I was drinking <laughs> the other day in terms of like, oh yeah, yeah. In, in terms of like, what, what kinds of things are you, are you thinking about in terms of, you know, what, what, what people find, you know, attractive in terms of the flavors, what, mm-hmm. what you can actually infuse into it that does have some health benefits.
2: Yeah, for sure. So as mentioned, my partner in Zero Proof Collective, Kate, has an amazing background and understands the science and the flavor palette. So what we have found as a huge success is we worked with a local restaurant here who is really focused on quality of food. And we worked directly with the executive chef. So as we were creating what those non-alcoholic beverages would be on their permanent NA menu, there were things like tea infusions. And one of the biggest challenges was creating what we call like the viscosity of mm-hmm. a drink. So a lot of times non-alcoholic beverages can feel watered down right. and you maybe don't get like the warmth when you drink it. You don't, and but when you start looking at how you can actually make those sort of, you know, experiential things happen from a flavor perspective, from a texture, that makes it interesting. So, you know, we we currently as Zero Proof Collective don't have a product, but we are working with all the members of our community to put their product forward. For example, there's um, a tea person that we have in our community that was a great fit for this restaurant. So all of his teas are part of the base of the non-alcoholic beverages on the yeah. menu. It's yeah. just like a beautiful thing. So it's like we're pulling together local resources providing a really quality menu. And then, hey, by the way, we're also driving our audience who cares about these experiences. We're going to drive them to your restaurant and bar. We're going to tell them that you're going to deliver an amazing experience and we've trained staff. They understand that they can uplevel someone from a diet coke into this, you know, elevated cocktail. Feels great for them. They get the revenue. And we all actually are getting the data from that restaurant um, modeling. I mean, we really launched that menu early January, so we have three months of data showing how they've been able to transition some of the, that, you know, three dollar na into something that's more profitable.
1: Right, and and I imagine aesthetic is also another aspect oh, of this, right? I mean, yeah, the, the stemware, the things that you put into the into the glasses. I, I have some good friends from Belgium, and so. Every, every Mm -hmm. beer has a different, you know, shaped glass because it has to do with the temperature they want to keep it at and all those kinds of things. But it it also just like, there's a feel to it. Sometimes for whatever reason, the way it fits in your hand feels like the Mm -hmm. right kind of beverage for you. So I'm sure that's another piece of it.
2: Well, take the sauna experience. I mean, you're really looking for something refreshing. Um, And so like citrus is part of what I bring to sauna experiences just because you're looking for something, you know, in that. In that space. And we, you know, change out our drinks seasonally. The things that we experiment with um, pair really well with what we're suggesting. Mm. So it's been really fun to experiment and then also be in spaces where alcohol is typically offered and then, you know, put this option in front of them and see and have the conversation with people in terms of what it is. Because if we can't describe what we want in a beverage, it's really hard to ask a server to provide that or tell your favorite restaurant, here's actually what I'd like to see. Yeah.
1: So, so getting, getting on to your TED talk that's coming out, we were hoping it was going to drop before, I, before yes, today. I'm but, hopeful. <laughs> but soon. But, but I think, you know. Because I'm present to a lot of, I, because I work in an integrative health field and I'm present to a lot of different kinds of health challenges, alcohol tends to come up a lot. And mm-hmm. there's a real spectrum of of alcohol disorders, you know, as we might say. That, and, and, you know, for some people, it doesn't seem to have a huge effect on them until they're basically presented with a, uh, you know, a, a, another, you know, problem or a co-infection that's somehow throwing, throwing off their, Uh-oh. their physiological balance. And then it becomes clear that alcohol is working against their, their ability to recover. So, um, as I, I imagine this is going to be something that you're kind of bringing up in the, in this talk a little bit is, you know, where, where to start in terms of addressing, you know, what, what kind of issues you may have, or you know, what your relationship with alcohol is, is that kind of what, what this is about? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, the talk is titled Sober Not Somber and then Lightning Way to Evolve Drinking Culture. So, there are many TED Talks on a person's like personal relationship with alcohol, and so with my talk, I really tried to focus on the social experience and right, what we can right. do to understand what's happening there. So the talk does get into, you know, alcohol is the underlying cause of all these things, from domestic violence to, you know, bad choices, getting in a car and driving, like we just haven't looked at it or we haven't named it. Mm-hmm. And there was an article in the Star Tribune locally here in January that was estimating the the cost to the state for everything that is, the cause of it is underlying, is, is alcohol misuse. And so we're starting to, like, see more of what those conversations are. And my talk is just very clear about this is what's happening. Like, we want to look at every other thing that could possibly cause it. But at the the root of so many of our problems and challenges, that's, that's what we find. Alcohol is there and it's present. And so my my wish for people is to not try to define the question, am I an alcoholic or not? is to say, how would my life be improved if I drank a little bit less? Like really just making it as accessible as possible um, for everyone. And I feel like maybe in early sobriety, I had a lot of anger toward people who could drink um, and and control it somehow. And now, you know, with so many years of sobriety, I do feel like I'm the luckiest because it's just not a decision for me. I just don't have to make that decision. Alcohol does not work for me. I will not be drinking it. But for those that are, you know, experimenting with it, it can be very hard if you're going into it to answer that question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's an amazing way to look at it. I, I do the same kind of thing with a lot of different things when I'm working with people who are struggling to usually there's, there's a healing process going on, whether it's recovering from you know, COVID, which I've been doing a lot of work with to different kinds mm-hmm. of, you know, physical orthopedic injuries. Um, and the, the there's there's one thing that I th- I think tends to work for most people, which is to start thinking about making a ten or fifteen percent change. Like, mm-hmm. I, I actually yeah. think I actually think that we do really well within that kind of shift. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know. Th- Taking something away from somebody, whether it's alcohol or sugar or pasta or <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> it is, doesn't it, work long it's, it's, term. <laughs> it's not going to work. And even some, even sometimes, just you know, adding something that percentage. I, I, cool. I work with a lot of people who are sleep challenged, and that's a huge that's a huge piece of healing. A lot of times is to get that that necessary amount of sleep. And mm-hmm. so, for people who have been oh. in bad sleep patterns, you know, getting that ten or fifteen percent shift to happen, and I, you know, I try to work within you know short time periods. I, I really want to see someone go through a shift within that first month that I'm working with mm-hmm. them. So I, you know, I usually suggest a few different things like this to get them on track. And alcohol is one of the things that I usually, you know, suggest yeah. starting to scale back. And I, and it in a situation where things are dire, I might say like you know half half of what you've been mm-hmm. doing this this month because i mm-hmm. i just feel like we know what it what a what an impact that has and and some you know it can be other other types of things too for that i that i find and sometimes it's a sugar issue and sometimes it's a mm-hmm. diet coke issue i mean you would not believe <laughs>
2: right, right some of the issues oh, that gosh. people
1: have with things like diet coke so anyway yeah. I, it just feels like a, a like a mm-hmm. I, I like i like the way your 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 phrasing is with this to 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 not have a you know be shaming and to not yes. to not feel like you have to have a, a diagnosis or a, a definition for yourself to start out with, just mm-hmm. to start kind of reimagining you know yourself differently or reimagining your you know your, your cultural experience differently
2: yeah, yeah, and I noticed you know dry January this year celebrated ten years, and that started in the u k with the idea you know the, the idea behind it was to really improve social behavior and it's continued, but you know, there's good and bad to that because it does give people thirty days to try it without. But many people are like, mm, February one, I am back at it." <laughs> right. And so I always think it's so wonderful to be able to give that experience and have that knowing because it does you do come back to that at some point in your life. You might be like, yeah, I remember that month. I felt pretty awesome. Like for myself, when I was pregnant with both of my children, wasn't drinking. And I was so happy. I was just like, the happiest times of my life. Like other women would complain about being pregnant later. You know, when I actually stopped drinking, I was like, wow, I didn't even realize how, like the correlation between not drinking and, you know, just having that time in my life where it wasn't an option was so freeing. It was absolutely freeing. So like, I don't know. I I say that to just be like, I hope people do notice if they are doing some challenges like that and omitting it like journaling about it writing about it to really understand it.
1: Yeah. And and it's it's I always I always think it's interesting. I've talked about this on the podcast before but I would say my alcohol use actually increased as I became a parent. You know, oh. like, <laughs> and, and, and it's, but it's, it's a, it's a serious thing to consider, I Funny. think, because, yeah. you know,
2: mm-hmm. I don't mean of, to laugh, but. You, but you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you've been uh-huh. there. So
1: there, there is this, there is this period of time where you just, you don't, especially when your kids are small, you, you, you don't, you don't get any sort of breaks until you finally get someone to bed. And it's like the, a lot of times it's the first thing that you, that you do. I mean, my wife and I would just sit down and have a, have a glass of wine or something. That was like a very common thing to do. And then a lot of times we'd finish. That that bottle of wine, right? Yes. I mean, and that right. and that becomes that becomes sort of like the the pattern, though, and that's that that's where it starts mm-hmm. to get dangerous. Is you you need to have some other way of enjoying your your time mm-hmm. together, and a lot of times it is the ritual of sitting down together and doing something like this yeah. and ha- having that. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love the use the word ritual. Um, I think that's a lot about what we talk about. And I have found that I have like after a sauna experience, I will come home and have an amazing non-alcohol cocktail. And I have one and it's a part of my ritual. And it has, it has served me in the way that I thought alcohol used to. So mm-hmm. replacing that and pairing and thinking about that. And then I just also wanted to quickly comment on the glamorization of alcohol. So one of the things in my talk that I point out is mommy wine culture or, you know, all these ads, same with cigarettes, right? We used to see the glamorization of that on all of our magazines. That was banned. And I think that all that all matters. And I think and I hope we will start seeing less of that on social media. I mean, I've seen some pretty... (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't want to follow this person on Instagram because I don't want to see the glamorization of it. I don't want that in front of me. I don't want other women in particular with young children to think that that's their go-to. Yeah. So I think if we can shift that, um, that will be a huge help and a deterrent and, and give people other ways to equally celebrate and enjoy their lives, right? Yeah.
1: So, so outside of outside of um, the kind of cultural pieces of what you're working on, is there a product development going on? Are you, is that, is that something you want to get into?
2: Um, You know, potentially um, with Kate, with Zero Proof, there may be something. Um, one of the biggest things, like I mentioned earlier, that we we're creating is a playbook for NA event offerings. So again, just staying really in the education space because there's so much work to do and our product might be for example hosting a non-alcoholic bar at a very large corporate event and talking with you know the company as they roll out what the event is and in really highlighting that like for a continuum of an employee experience to understand why it's being offered and you know what the benefits could be, because we, we know that like a third of our population in America, at least, um, actually prefers not to drink. But a lot of times they aren't voicing that. They don't feel comfortable in those spaces to say, actually, that what they're doing is settling for a club soda with lime yeah, or I'm water. Totally, it's, just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just painful. Yeah, it's just painful.
1: Well, I, I'm going to yeah. give a shout out here to Erin Flavin and Marigold. She happens okay. to be somebody I've known since she was a teenager, um, and yeah. we share a shared friend, and and her brother is one of my longtime closest friends. And so, we're, you know, we've been talking a little bit. Um, I we went on a hike together last weekend, and we're talking about what what you know what I think would be really nice to have in Minneapolis is to have some event spaces, and it's starting to happen a little mm-hmm. bit more with the the you know. THC cannabis culture that's, you know, mm-hmm. been been freed up to, to serve in any any place in Minneapolis just about but but I, I don't necessarily think it has to be that I think I think a lot of times people would choose a non-alcoholic option by itself. If there was like a really cool group group of people, it could be for music, it could be for any kind of event or a corporate gathering or whatever. I think I think there needs to be some spaces. So anybody listening who really wants to push into that, I think there's a yeah. huge opportunity here right now in, in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. and in New York too, because I'm there pretty regularly. And I I haven't seen, to to be frank, I haven't seen as much non-alcoholic option in, in bars and restaurants there as I have here.
2: Yeah. It's so interesting. You say all of that because, um, sauna, for example, is an experience that is centralized on community and conversation and Mm -hmm. almost like the sidebar and the way, the why behind I, why I love it is that, people aren't pushing alcohol on me when I come in the sauna, you know, it's just like not even asked. Yeah. So what, you know, and people also aren't going to bars and restaurants and they're going to sit on a bar stool and have, you know, eight non-alcoholic beverages. So recognizing that bringing N.A. into our culture is going to revolve around other activities yeah. that are paired really well with people who choose not to drink. And that, that's the way I see it. That's why, um, you know, Marigold, even we talked about sauna or, Being able to kind of have a grab and go and a cooler kit ready to bring to your social events. I mean, that's one of the things in my talk, too, is just like, you know, bring what you want to drink where you go if you need to. You know, it's. Yeah. And be the one to host that and introduce other people to it. So there's a lot of ways to come at that. The brick and mortar, you know, across the states that have tried to be solely non-alcoholic have struggled. Um, It's a totally valid concept whose time is, you know, maybe not quite there, but we are starting to see that interest East Coast, West Coast. Um, yeah. Even Chicago, so there are definitely models of that happening, and would love to have it happen in Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what you said about these, like things like sauna being these healthy options, I think that's another thing. I worked in nutrition for a short period of time, and one of the things that I, I felt like was so crucial for everybody was to think about what they already, you know, had in their in their house that they didn't didn't want to have. So sort of starting mm. from starting from scratch there, but then also getting organized about the things that they did want to have. And I, I feel like that, that, that day that we had, you know, t- together, I've already made like th- three pretty good acquaintances out of that. I wasn't even, I was almost not even going to go in because I had forgotten my <laughs> swimsuit and <laughs> I went I had brunch with a friend. And, and so, mm-hmm. but Reed and I already got together and had, had a coffee. And it's like, that's so it, great. you know, it's, yes. it's amazing the way these things, these things sort of happen. So I, I think that's another piece of it for anyone who's trying to make a shift. <clears throat> is to think about what kinds of things that they already like to do that are healthy options that don't that don't include that, whether it's like maybe with if you're looking for a date night for, you know, your you and your partner, maybe maybe doing something like a sauna or a hot yoga or a hike or, you know, look looking for looking for, you know, other kinds of events that just don't include that to start out with, or maybe there will be more options now. You know of, of yes. places and 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 mm-hmm. is, is that something that you're you're organizing at all in terms of like where people can find good n a options is is that yes. part of your mission?
2: We would love to I mean, I think with this larger restaurant that we partnered with, we had an event, so we put the n a menu together, mm-hmm. we did all the things behind the scenes, and then we brought people together to experience it and it was phenomenal. It was like you know seventy five people in this cozy space that everyone there had a non-alcoholic drink in hand and you looked around and no one looked like they were somber. I mean, the energy level and the difference of that experience being versus being the only one um, in a space that's drinking non-alcoholic, because i that's been my life up to this point, um, that still felt othering. So to come into a room and an experience where you know everyone is sober and having a great time, it's pretty phenomenal. It's yeah. like next level. So we want to create more of that We want to bring that community together, whether it's a bar, restaurant or event, um, and highlight what that looks like. And to your point, a lot of it could be, you know, the wellness type activities. So there's also the argument of, well, you know, would people pay for a sauna experience? Well, you look at what you pay to go out to the bar with friends and have dinner, right? And then you just shift that over into your sauna and two N.A. drinks and you have an equal investment of You know, fun into your evening, but it looks different.
1: It looks very different. I mean, I, I, the one thing I I felt about that day was that we, there was, there was kind of an intimacy to the conversations that happened because of the space that we were in Mm -hmm. together, and because there was, there wasn't, you know, drinking going on. And I feel like that's that's another piece that gets missed. I think, I think, what alcohol tends to do for us is kind of you know overemphasize the ego. I felt like some of the things that people mm. were uh, that were, the people were sharing that day were were very different. And I, I'm used to being in that space. I actually find it very uncomfortable that I can't have these kinds of conversations with people on a regular basis. I guess that's why I started a <laughs> podcast. Uh, but 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 I, it just I, I feel like there there is a real opportunity for for that to become uh, more of a cultural norm.
2: Absolutely. Most people don't have those experiences. If you are drinking alcohol, you know, you're connecting um, with someone on a level where you're just not being vulnerable. You are actually probably not being your true self. And I'm so used to that. So I appreciate this reminder um, of just being very vulnerable. And like, you're going to get the same me the next day. Like, I'm going to follow up with you and not be like, oh, my God, what do we talk about? In sauna Or <laughs> right. whatever, you know, it's like, you just have this level of confidence and like you show up consistently, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you just feel like you get to know people on a really deep level really quickly without alcohol. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I, and I felt that with you and that's part of the reason I felt like mm-hmm. that was a very easy transition into like, let's, let's mm-hmm. have this conversation. I'm, I've been wanting mm-hmm. to, to, I, I hadn't met anybody who was so engaged with it at this, at this point in mm-hmm. this way and in this kind of thoughtful Manner. So I appreciate you coming to share with uh, you know, all of this with us. And, you know, we'll make sure that people know. Tell, tell me where the easiest place for people to kind of follow you social media wise or, or website.
2: Yeah, thank you for saying all that. I, too, felt a, a connection immediately um, and happy to have this conversation. You can find um, most of I would say two things. Um, my personal brand is jengilhoy.com. So it's J-E-N-G-I-L-H-O-I.com. And that's my website. Um, and I do have, you know, a sober, not somber Instagram account, which once the TED Talk comes out, a lot of my content around what we're trying to do in the social spaces will be there. And then also zeroproofcollective.com. So we have where you can join the NA movement, which could be on one of two levels. As an individual who just wants to know more and get connected into what's happening in the NA scene. And currently it's it's Twin Cities based. um, But this is a model that could go all around the country. In fact, we've heard that it really doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, and then you could also, if you are a business that has, you know, is a corporate business that wants to host an event, just interested in the business side, you could select that as well.
1: Okay. And yeah. And, and is, is that a place where people can find resource as far as you know, uh, places where, where things can happen that are NA, a, you know, related, are there, are there places you recommend for like the yes, best drinks we, or any of that, yeah. any that kind of stuff?
2: We are really starting to get there with our community. So Instagram is, Zeroproof uh, zero proof collective okay. on Instagram is a great place to just find, like we have people sending us, you know, NA menus, screenshots and here, get awesome. this here's an experience I had there. Um, we'd like to build that more and really involve the community in doing that because it really is is helpful to hear from so many different experiences and perspectives. And then also not to shame any of these you know, owners or restaurants because they, they just don't know what they don't know. So we want to be here and open to educate and say, here's a possible way you could do more in the NA space. Yeah cool and and yeah if you have ideas or want to connect it's hello at zeroproofcollective collective.com okay
1: cool thanks for sharing that yeah all right jen thanks so much this was fun we'll have to have a drink soon
2: yes <laughs> and you know it, it will be na that's, that's for right sure.
1: awesome <laughs> thanks so much thank you jen Gilhoy, folks I love that what Jen offers is the freedom to choose while empowering us to find better options if alcohol is starting to feel restrictive. It's similar to the conversations that I have daily as a healthcare provider to consider the use of a pharmaceutical drug first for quick relief, many times without considering the long-term repercussions and the effects of the drug or an exit strategy or without any other means of support. Jennifer, some great thoughts on how we can make shifts personally and in your community in a TED Talk, which I highly recommend, and you can find that here in the show notes. Let me know what you thought of this topic in conversation. You can reach out to me directly at any time at jeremy.highway2.health. And before you leave or move on to the next episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute and rate the show on your app, or if you have an extra minute, write a brief review on why you like the show and anything that's inspired you to improve your health. i greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.
0: If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform, or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.